What's up, mamas? It's Tanika Ray. I was a television host for 20 years before my entire life blew up when I had a baby. Shifting gears from red carpets to a gig called Mom required a whole new game plan. The carefree, globe-trotting boss babe me was suddenly in search of a mommy tribe to help me navigate the inevitable fumbles and fails of raising a kid. Mama's Day with Tanika Ray is a sanctuary for the Mommy Collective, where we amplify our self-love and self-care, trade tips on raising conscious kids, help each other fine-tune our boundaries, and celebrate the highs while forgiving ourselves for the lows in the wild, 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 wild world of mommying AF. Welcome to Mama's Day with Tanika Ray. Well, it's March 1st, and I wanted to start off Women's History Month off with a bang. So I invited my girlfriend, Keisha, also known as Princess Keisha, to step up to the mic. Yeah, her life looks a lot like a fairy tale that I wish came true when I was a little girl. She was living as a beautiful model in New York City when she ran into a man that she ended up falling in love with. Well, this man, well, he just happened to be a real-life Nigerian prince. Please welcome to the mic my girlfriend, Keisha, also known as Princess Keisha. Keisha, the Mama Stay mic is yours. I love that our little girls are just different. They're so different than we were, right? We had to learn how to step into our power. And they like came out the womb that way, which is such a blessing. But now we've got a parent it. So that's the thing that's tough about it. Exactly. Yeah. If I have to say that I, both of my, my daughter and my son, they both remind me of me when I was their age. It's just the main difference is they have understanding parents that allow them to be who they are at their truth and not try to force them to be who we want them to be. I didn't have that grace growing up. It was a because I said so type of household. So when I was walking around talking about I wanted to be a fashion model, I'm going to be traveling around the world, I might as well have said I wanted to have sex with Hugh Hefner, the way they responded. It was just like, there's no way that you can say that you're doing that. What are you talking about? Even if I try to pretend it was my runway, I was showing off and being fast. Like they just never understood me. When I was in the mirror looking at myself, I was, you know, being too grown up. And why am I in the mirror? Do I want to be a prostitute? Like it was never looked at as, oh, wow, she has something. This is a gift. Like it just wasn't looked at. And it could be because during that time, modeling wasn't what it is now. It wasn't, you know, everyone wasn't an Instagram model. It was right. no social media. It was kind of like we only, and I say we, I mean, society only heard the negative things about modeling. So I do, in hindsight, look back at, okay, well, maybe they didn't really have like a role model to fall back on to say, okay, she's going to be the next blah, blah, blah. But then again, if they had did their research, they could have seen I could have been Iman or Naomi Sims or Naomi. Like they they were there. They were there. But you have to also remember, because, you know, my roots are in Ohio too, mama. Yes. I have Mansfield, Ohio. Oh, wow. Yes. And I have Toledo, Ohio. Okay. So that salt of the earth, that practicality, everything is such from a pragmatic point of view. Mm -hmm. And also our parents, well, my parents were right coming out of civil rights when they were teenagers. 
So what they learned from their parents who were suppressed was you just do what they do and they'll accept you. But the truth of the matter is they'll never accept us. Exactly. So we have to learn how to just be who we are, root from the toes all the way to the tippy top of our heads. Exactly. And love all of that. And we are the shift in our our whole lineage. And then our kids will shift our, our family tree even more. Yeah, But I, I love what you said about grace. I wasn't given the grace either. And look what you've become a princess. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's, it's so funny. Uh, you would think by now I'd be used to, I am used to being called that, but at the same time, because we live such a very ordinary, ordinary is kind of like vague at times. It's such a non-royal life because it's not always all pomps and circumstances and, 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 and dinners and festives and events and United Nations. A lot of times it's just hopping in the car and going to the grocery store. It's Sainsbury's for us, but for you guys in LA, is, is it still uh, Ralph's? I Ralph's, think it's- <laughs> I mean, you know, just doing normal things, the school run. And a lot of that is because my husband wasn't allowed to do all of that growing up. So he he wished that when he sneezed, it would be his mom comforting him instead of like five housemaids coming to make sure he was okay. When he wanted to go in the kitchen to make something, he wished that he was able to enter into the kitchen as a, as a man without it being forbidden because men aren't allowed in the kitchen. Like there are so many cultural things and royal things that when he always tells a story about how he would pay give his pocket money to his driver to drop him off like two blocks away from the school so that he had time to like get his shoes dirty in the dirt to make it seem like he walked a long way like everybody else so that when he turned the corner to get in school, it's like he belonged. Now, mind you, they all knew who he was, but he's like, he didn't want to pull up in the Rolls Royce getting, he's just like, it just, he just wanted to just be normal. And so as a result, that's how we raise our children. We're very hands-on. He's very hands-on. And there are times when we have, you know, events and we're on the red carpet. And that is the only time I have people say the title. Princess Keisha. Other than that, like, I'm just Keisha. <laughs> and, and I love that about you because we've met over social media. We've been on Clubhouse together. And we're, you're such a girlfriend in my head. Like, you're just such a sis. Yes, but you were doing extra, and I think I bum-brushed you <laughs> in the middle of your scene. I think you were with AJ at the time, and you guys were, was it, it was around like 57th and Columbus Circle, over by where We Dad is. Yes! You guys were doing something, and I was like, you know, it reminded me of that moment. Remember that moment in Low Down Dirty Shame when Jada Pink was like, Came up to us? I was like, but you guys were filming and I was like, oh, um, you know, because it wasn't appropriate. You were in the middle of, hi guys, and thank you. And I was like, oh. so I had to like calm myself and not fangirl up. We were like watching and I was so excited because you have always been like the friend in my head that Wendy Williams coined the phrase of, but I've always appreciated you, what you do, your work, your hair. And I still firmly believe that because you paved the way originally of being on screen with big, beautiful, natural hair, that it allowed people like Pantene to say, hang on, we need a relaxed and natural brand and product to promote to this demographic because this hair is amazing. And as a result, uh, Chuck Amos, who's a, you know, very well-known hairstylist, he was, he is who handpicked me to do the Pantene uh, commercial, which at that time, no one who looked like me or you had ever did anything beauty related. Pantene was known for long flowing hair. It wasn't known for curly afro hair. 
that was a game changer. And I always, in my mind, I always credit you and the people who will put you in front of us to let us know that this is beauty. Hair big and frizzy is cool. It's gorgeous. It's not undone. It's not not professional. So you probably don't remember that, but I, I remember you seeing you guys there. You guys will be in New York all the time, sporadically in places, but that location, I would, we would, I would see you all the time because we'd be going to around like Carnegie Hall area. Yes. I love that story. Thank you so much, Keisha. That means uh, like I can't even express how much that means to me because at the time you don't know what boundaries you're pushing. You don't know what your what kind of ceilings you're shattering. You're just trying to be authentic to yourself. So thank you for saying that. And thank you for representing us so well with Pantene. I'm so honored for you to be here today. And I'm so excited. This is going to be one of many, I'm sure, going forward. Also, before I forget, I have been in mama state mode for the past three days. I'm, I'm on now episode seven. My goal was to get all of them, finish yes. all of them, down to my last four. And I was that's another reason why I was late. Because I was like, gosh, you have to leave me alone. I have a couple of three. I've got to listen to Tanika Ray. Like, they were like, Tanika Ray, Tanika Ray, think it's all about <laughs> All week has been Tanika Ray. So, so you know I cuss. I, it's not for the kids. <laughs> I love it. I did the first one. No, the first one, it was you just introducing. The second one, when you were with your friend, one of your uh, friends who's, I think she's white and, uh, and the partner is black and they have mixed yeah. race. Yeah. She said, she said a swear. We said, oh, I can cuss on here. Okay, great. I was like, oh, this is my podcast. I don't even curse, but I love listening to cursing. But I wasn't allowed to curse. My mom didn't curse. So I didn't hear that growing up. And when I do try to, it's like a little pouty mouth six-year-old. And you just, it just doesn't sound right. Because you can tell. You're, just, you're not that girl. You don't have to be that girl. I, oh. I was always the rebel. You were the sweet princess to be. Let's be <laughs> honest. I want to get back to your, your root of how you got to London in case anybody out there does not remember this incredible story. You can give us a short abridged version of how you went from Columbus, Ohio, dreaming of being a beautiful black model representing your, your culture to living in London with a husband who grew up with lots of nannies and housekeepers <laughs> and people that probably like, like, like Prince Hakeem, right? Yeah, it's very, it's funny. It's, I always, we always have this inside joke when we're trying to be frisky when I, and I'll say stuff like, so did they really say in the royal penis is clean? And he was just like, oh, baby, seriously. I love <laughs> it. He's like, no. Well, they didn't do that. Wait, for the record, they did it. Okay. Did not. <laughs> He's like, at least his tribe in Nigeria did not. And so, but first my mom and her side of the family is from Columbus, Ohio. I'm actually like you from California. I grew up in Inglewood, California, went to Inglewood High and everything. So in the wood, what's good. And then from Ohio, I was only there for two years after my parents separated. And I went to Chicago, got my degree in fashion design because my mom would not allow me to go to New York. And then I was in New York and I was modeling in New York, doing really well. And that's how I met my husband. He left London and came to New York to study at New York Film Academy. He saw me in Union Square in front of the W Hotel, and that's where we connected. He originally asked for my number. I said no. The short version of the long story is I first of all said no, ran down. It was the middle of fashion week. I was going to a casting. 
Uh, my women's intuition said, you know what? The guy was kind of, it wasn't like, yo, ma, are you, are you on America's name? It was, you know, it was very like distinguished. So give him a chance if he's still there. So I run back up. He's still there. We exchange numbers. We have a brief chat. And he told me he had just come from London and that he's going to be traveling in for three weeks and he'll call me back for our first date. And then that kind of like broke the ice because I had just came back from London doing London Fashion Week castings. So I knew London very well and would always come here for, for modeling. And turns out, the area that I stayed at, which is St. Joneswood, was where his flat was. So I knew then that he was at least not a bum because that area is very distinguished in, in the UK. It's on the Jubilee line and it's a lot of diplomats stay in that area. So that was kind of like the icebreaker. And immediately he came back. We went on our first date. He was like very romantic. And um, I still never knew who he was, that what background he came from. Not, I shouldn't say never knew who he was. I did not know that he was from, from a royal family in Nigeria. He never mentioned that. In fact, he actually never mentioned it was my mother-in-law who told me when I met her two years after we were dating. So the whole two years that he and I dated in New York, I knew that he was a businessman. I knew that he had a television network. I knew he was prominent, but I had no idea about royal status or anything. And he's very humble. When he introduces himself, he doesn't say, I'm Prince Kunle. He just says, I'm Kunle. The only time you would hear Prince Kunle is if we're at an event or a red carpet or fundraising or at a church something. That's really the only time. And that's true with a lot of royals, particularly in Nigeria, because they have a lot of royals in Nigeria. It's funny because in the press, they always say princess of Nigeria, which sometimes rubs a lot of Nigerians the wrong way because they're like, oh, she ain't nothing my princess. You know, they're very, you know, it's just the way that they word the phrase, because if you're in like Princess Marta Louise, who's a friend of mine, she's like princess of Norway. Anyone else is of the country that they're from. And with Nigeria, the blessing, I think, is a beautiful blessing that we have many royals and it should not be looked down upon. It should be celebrated. And any one of them could be princess of this of Nigeria because we they all are rightfully so from their tribe. And because of that, when he came to the U.S. and when he came to abroad, he still remained who he was, but he didn't announce himself in that way. That was probably a good call. Yeah, he's, they're very humble in any way. It's not, he's very much not like, you must bow when you speak to me. He's never, <laughs> and as a result, who am I to be that way if he's not? Like, I can't be all, I'm prince, you know, I'm, that's not me at all. So many times moms from like my children's school or, or, or just in friends in general, after they meet me for a while, they may somehow they'll Google or something and they're like, how come you didn't say that you're, and I'm like, well, we were at the school run. I mean, was I supposed, I mean, we're, we're still, you know, we're trying to do a play date for the girls. Am I supposed to go? And by the way, I'm like, you know, I'm just, you know, when it's the children are together, I'm just a mom, just like you. We're, you know, together. I love that. Very much uh, being humble and knowing, you know, knowing who you are is very prominent in, from my husband, his, his motto, his, my father-in-law's motto was good name is better than silver and gold. So in their household, it was all about making sure the Omilana name remained in good standing. And that trumped any type of money or any, or anything status or anything. So, and that's what we teach our children. They know exactly who they are, but my son, he's 15. He's like, mommy, Please, though, you know, he'll call me so-and-so Google and so you can you please take the photo down on Instagram. They can see me when I was in my royal attire. They're all going around calling me Prince Akeem and I, I'm then Prince Deron. Please. I'm like, <laughs> so oh, he's very much like just he just wants to chill. Whereas Dior, our daughters, there she's like, honey, I am. So I had to have a word with her. <laughs> she is she waving like a princess. She very much knows who she is. She's not sassy or bratty about it. She's just very much like, 
if we're watching Disney something, it's kind of like, well, that's the Disney version, but she's not a real princess. Like she's <laughs> very clear on letting her friends know that's not a real princess. Like real princesses are from Africa. And they're, you know, and they're from Norway, like Princess Marta Louise, and they're from Japan. Like, like she'll start telling them the real princesses around the world, not Pocahontas mm. and Snow White and Cinderella. She's like, those are Disney characters. <laughs> I love that. She's so clear about herself. And of course, when she's being raised by two people, self-reliant people who uh, have confidence, who don't rely on a title, they're going to be incredible kids. Thank really, you. really great job. I appreciate it. She's she's still a handful, so I have to like show her the boundaries of you know what. So what my husband told them is that being a royal does it. It's not about status and having someone bow to you and having someone address you in a certain way. It's always being of service. When you are a royal, you have a responsibility to yourself and to your people and to your tribe. So it's it's really on how you act, how you behave, and how you make other people feel when you're around them. So we teach them that so that they're very much aware of, yes, I am this, but that doesn't make me better than anyone else. It doesn't mean that I can do this and you can't, or I should be doing this and you shouldn't because I am this. So that's really what we try to make sure we instill in them so that they have genuine friendships, genuine relationships, and teaching them the difference between someone just trying to be your friend because of your name or your status or because they saw you on TV, because we get a lot of that. I almost had to, because I'm from Inglewood, California. So every now and again, Shanquisha comes out. She's not, she's not Princess Keisha at all. Do not push Shanquisha, okay? We did a, real, not a reality show. We did a docuseries here that was really nice. I think I sent it to you. Yes. And uh, so once it aired, of course, a lot of people at her school was like, oh my God. So there was one little girl that just kept coming up. You know, Dior is my best friend. I was like, oh, really? I've never even seen this girl. Dior doesn't even know the girl's name. So how could they be best friends? She's like, and so, you know, we're having a play date. I'm coming to your house. I saw you on Stacey Dooley. Your house has like seven levels. Oh, we're having a play date. And I wanted to go, I said, so have you spoken to Dior about this? Because you're making all these plans, but she hasn't said anything to me. I think you need to speak to her because you don't, I, I was trying to my best to say, you know, you don't just invite yourself over to someone's Correct. house because you saw them. But I did, I was like, let me just leave it. So then Dior very politely, I, I just kind of wanted to see how she handled it. Cause like literally for a week, Tanika, every time I picked her up, that girl would be running out, Dior, Dior, we're best friends, aren't we? Aren't we? Aren't we trying to hug? And you know, she was just like smiling. She's like, well, you know, we're not best friends, but we can be friends, but we're not best friends. And then the next day, well, and I was like, so Dior, what do you, how do you feel about, I just wanted to get how, and she's like, you know what, mommy, she never said anything to me before. Now that I'm on Stacey Dooley's show, all of a sudden she wants to be my best friend. She's like, I don't even know the girl. She's like, but I, I've got a little bit of chance to get to know her. I don't like her personality at all. And she is not my best friend. And I was like, okay, well, we don't have to say it like that to her. Are you talking about me? Oh, <laughs> sorry. Yes, I'm talking about you. you Just talk- a little story about you, Princess Dior, you amazing little girl. Stay there. We're almost. Are you guys talking about- I know. This, this, she sounds like my daughter. That's why I was like, close your door, go around the corner to your bedroom, down the hall. Seriously, Dior, we're videoing. Can you please go up to the top with me, Ron? And, and so you're not interrupting. I'm going to be finishing. When we're videoing? Yes. So go. I mean, when we're, when we're almost at the end, Dior, we'll have you come down for a photo, okay? Okay. Okay. I know how it works. <laughs> no, seriously, Keisha, that's such a huge lesson because 
I kind of can connect with you in the sense that because I grew up with things, I never thought things were, I, I don't covet them. Right. So I don't think any, it's that, it's that big of a deal. I grew up with things and I didn't realize how different that was for a young black woman growing up in America or in the world to have a BMW at 16, et cetera. Until I went to college, until I got, I became a young woman and I was living on my own and I had jobs and I was like, oh, this is different. I was actually working at Friends because I'm, I'm a worker. I'm from people who came from Ohio, you know? I, it was my first job was on Friends. I was the stage PA. And I'll never forget, my dad got me a BMW because he was proud of me for graduating from college. And it seems silly now, but there was a white woman there who didn't have very much. She was an assistant. And she was like, so unbelievably overtly jealous. And I was, it was the first time I was like, oh, people treat you different. Oh, I have to protect myself and understand that people might want to be my friend for something that has nothing to do with me or not be my friend for something that has nothing to do with me. So to teach our babies that from birth, that skill on how to really observe the people around them and assess their authenticity is very powerful. Yes, it's, and it's, it's tricky because you you want so badly to fight all their battles as their mommies. You want to just get in and, and but at the end of the day, I know she has to be able to do it on her own because I'm not going to be with her. When she's at school for those eight hours, I don't know how that dynamic is. So all I can do is just prepare her. So what I tell her is you'll know who a true friend is because they're consistent. And then I'll ask her, do you know what consistency means? You know, when someone is always there for you all the time. I was like the girl that is laughing at you when you fall and everyone is making fun of you and she's laughing at you on that day. But then the next day she wants to have some of your cookies because you brought extra cookies for lunch. That's friend. I said the girl that acts like she doesn't know you when other girls are around. But as soon as those girls aren't there and they're by themselves, they latch on to you because you're the only person that they know. That's not your friend. No. Like, your friend is the one that is, is with you all the time, likes to play the things that you like to play, likes to do the things that you like to do. But even though you're different, they understand how to communicate. Well, I don't want to play that. Well, why don't we play your game? And then we play. That's a friend, not someone that makes you feel bad about anything, talks down about so any of those things. And so like, it took her a while to get it. And she finally, she's there now, but it was, it was a challenge to get her there because she's just very, very sweet. And she also internalizes everything. So she wouldn't verbally say what was going on. She would just get real quiet. So I work with her on expressing herself. And now we just, we can't get her to keep quiet. So I'd rather that than come into her own. I mean, she is just full on. Like you fix her something to eat. And if she doesn't like it, we're like, we just had that like last week, but you're not my tongue and you're not my mouth and you're not my taste buds. So my taste buds have changed and I just don't like that right now. And I'm not eating it. And you just, you're like, you want to say, if I just, listen. <laughs> I swear I have the same child. It's like, we want them to be so communicative. We want them to be so clear with their, their needs and their wants. And then we're like, but not to me. me. Like, and that's not the moment. Like when she was at her nursery school, they taught the kids when somebody was doing something you don't like, not to keep quiet. You say, stop it. I don't like it. And in a very authoritative voice so that they know they're touching a boundary or they're too close or whatever. Yes. She was like, 
the child that would you would give her vegetables. Stop it. I don't like it. I don't like vegetables. And we're like, no, 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 no. This is not the time for stop it. I don't like like. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. That's the problem. We mamas have no control over when they use their special power. We have to just be proud of them and just adjust. I know. I tell myself it's going to pan out in the end. And I get it twice because my son is on times 10. He's 15 and he's a Virgo. So he's one of his personality. He knows and Dior is a Gemini. So I was laughing at your podcast about the Gemini's, how your your best friend wanted her to be born at a certain time. And you were yes. like, she's like, I have the cancer. She's very emotional and cries, but that's okay. I can't do another Gemini. So I was just cracking up. <laughs> but yeah, I, just, I have Gemini and, and Virgo. They crack me up, but at the same time, they bring so much joy. But it's, it's a lot of work and it's, it's rewarding. But sometimes you're just like, I just told them I, I, I want a break. I'm going to be traveling and it's just going to be me. And they're like, oh, what? Like they can't even fathom. Like sometimes I just want to just leave just to see what's going to happen. Because the flip side of being hands-on is they're, they've gotten, they're so used to us. So it's like literally the opposite of my husband's upbringing. He wasn't brought up like really, really having his mom and dad do everything with him. Right. It's not the culture. Even if his mom wanted to get to him first, it's not allowed. It's like taboo. Like they can't see a princess running on the ground to pick like that's what someone else does. Yeah. He's like, but when you've fallen, the, la- the first person you want to nurture any boo-boo is your mom, not somebody else. So here it's always us, but it's like always us. <laughs> like they won't go to anyone. They don't want anyone else. We had a whole talk about nannies they were like absolutely not we don't want anyone watching us if you guys want to have date night or something maybe someone can watch us for a few hours but I don't want anyone we're just like what in the world (laughs) okay wait so I kind of love this because you guys are obviously married you are hands-on and you have no help well, we did have help, but now, and especially after the pandemic, there's literally no help. A lot of it had to do with, we just didn't want random people in the house. And then you have, unless you are hiring them and everyone lives with you, you can't tell someone you only work for me and that's it. Like they have other homes that they're cleaning. They have other places that they're cooking for. So Wait, you still have your housekeeper, right? No. She, she comes once a month, but not like all the time. But yes, it's not as often. Bless so, you. I, I I had to like, the, but during the pandemic, the law here was you couldn't even go into someone else's home at all. Like it was against the law to, to go out. We were on full on lockdown mm. the whole year of 2020. But that year, that was really, really tough because I had, I was used to a staff and help and everyone went. So then you kind of get used to just being you and your family and yeah. just you and then when it's open again you're like but do we really need all of them and then you're concerned with well where have you been and have you had your test and did you have this and where you're so it gets to be a bit I didn't just didn't feel comfortable having everyone in my home because you can't put your view on what's going on on everyone everyone else is doing things different some people are at are acting like it's nothing happening they're out and at Coachella and then having a good time girl no time and then they come into your miss and then you know all, all it takes is one touch one this one this and that's it so I didn't want to take any chances so I think that's wise I mean and what a privilege to talk about well I couldn't have a housekeeper and I get that I'm I'm right here with you and it was I had to become the teacher and the housekeeper and I mean just everything that it involves it was exactly. a lot we all got a sense of what it is to be like a full-time, almost single mom. Well, for me, I really got the single mom thing down. 
feel like it was because I mean, we're even when you have a spouse, unless your spouse is just one of a kind, just domestic, which I mean, I'm not going to say no men are. I'm sure that man exists. Right. Right. And he he means well. It's just that he's just even when he does it, it's it's just not done the right. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Just you know, you want to nag and say, but you didn't put the the, the pot is oh. So you're just like because he loves to cook. But when I tell you to me the way the kitchen looks when he's done, I'd rather just not eat. I'm like, how is sauce at the top of the ceiling and every cabinet has dough and crumb? Like, oh, yeah, I just he oh. legit throws down in the kitchen, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm in my zone. I don't have time to be closing cabinets, and I'm like. When I, every cabinet is open and every cabinet is almost like he just went open. Just be like, he just, they, I don't know what it is about. You can't close the cabinet. Like it's just, ah. well, does but the food taste good? It's amazing. That's okay. like, great. So I mean, I couldn't even imagine. Well, if it wasn't, if we just have to do a full stop, that's okay. <laughs> Let me handle. But um, yeah. So I love the, the attempt though. I think that's really beautiful. I love the attempt. I love that it's like hands that you guys are hands on because you don't have to be. I love that you're so consciously pouring into your kids. You guys are living in London and I've spent a lot of time on Clubhouse talking about specifically where we are in this landscape of the world right now, where we fit in, how we are teaching our children to be more empathetic, to be more kind so that we can move the world forward in a more peaceful way because it's so contentious right now how are you teaching your kids when things come up in your country brexit all these things that are a little racist tinged megxit when those things come up what are you teaching your children because at the core is is this hate that we don't want our kids to ingest but we want them to be aware right so if, if i'm being honest dior is not really aware of most of it because she she's just eight and she's very much a young eight like she's just now knowing what's happening and unless we overtly speak to them about it then it really doesn't come up but every now and again when we have the news because we also make a conscious decision to not really have the news on because 10 out of 10 is negative news i mean it's bad thing that they say is, is terrible but every now and again it's something so big that we must discuss it Obviously, like with George Floyd, when that went in and things of that nature, it was huge and it was big and we're watching CNN here. So we're aware of it. So my son, who's 15, he'll say he's aware of it. He still remembers Trayvon Martin because he was, I think, two or three when it happened and the way he dressed and how I would always say, put your hoodie down, not up. So he was kind of aware. But it's it's so different here because it, the racism obviously exist here, but as I'm sure you have gathered, it's very passive aggressive uh, racism here versus the blatant in your face barbaric racism that happens in the U.S. So I basically, with my son and with Dior, what I have found is I have to teach them separately and speak to them in different ways. As like Dior is very sensitive and she t- she and she internalizes everything and you have to like really over explain and she's she really wants to know where's Dion he's just just give it to him straight A B C and he's very much so he's with him I just I'm gonna let him know listen in this house you are loved you know exactly who you are you know where you come from there's no doubt who you are but when you step out in the world everyone will not see you the way mommy and daddy and your family sees you. So you have to hold yourself accountable. He's very much about, I will treat you how you treat me. He likes things being fair. And I try to explain to him, things just aren't fair all the time. 
and, and respect and manners. And he's like, well, mommy, you always say treat people how I want to be treated. Well, they're not treating me nice. So I'm not treating them. I'm like, well, we can't, that can work with maybe a friend, but you can't say the police officer isn't treating me nice. So like, it's just not going to work that way. But I do have to say there is a sense of, huh, that I'm here and not in the U.S. to where I don't have to worry about someone gunning him down or a police officer stopping him and shoot. Like those, there are things that I know that if we were in the U.S., I'd have to be concerned about. And we are Christian and we're, we're not super religious, but we're very spiritual. That will not be in our domain anyway. I really do feel that we are covered by the blood. So no matter we are, my children are going to be safe, and that will never be our portion. It's very similar to the scripture in Psalms where they say, 10,000 fall to my right, a thousand fall to my left, but it does not happen in my, like, that's how we view it. But at the same time, I do have that sense of, oh, I don't have to, I don't have that anxiety when he leaves out the house. Ooh, so it's more so my thought when he leaves out the house is, did he bring his charger because his phone battery is going to die and he's not going to be able to call me? He's going to be stuck. Like he's used to being driven around. He wants to go on the train. Does he know how to get to the, like, that's where I'm thinking. I'm not thinking anything else, which is great. That's what a blessing. blessing. What a blessing. So I'm happy. And when with Dior, it's more, I just teach her. I just build her up so strong yes. with who she is and what she looks like and how her hair is beautiful. Her skin is beautiful. Black. I mean, it's, it's so much so with her that it's almost a reverse racism question when it comes to her. Like, I will never forget when she was like, so mommy, are white people beautiful? She said, because you, you're always saying black is beautiful and black and I'm, I'm so chocolate and I'm so black and I'm just so chocolate and dark and gorgeous. But you don't say that about a white. So I just want to know, are they beautiful as well? And it was kind of like, oh, maybe I need to scale it back a bit. My husband was like, no, you're not scaling no. You do just fine and just answer the question. And I was like, okay. And then I remember one day she said, you know, do you think it would be okay if I just had one white Barney? Because all my dolls are black and brown with big, beautiful hair, and they all look like me, and I love them. But when Marianne comes over, or when Maya comes over, and my other girlfriends come over, they don't see anyone that looks like them. So don't you think that representation matters? You know, because they love to, to put your words to you. They love it. So, you know, and, and, and I feel that they should see themselves when they're playing at my house. And I'm just like... Okay, well, okay, I'll get Malibu Barbie. We're just getting one, and that can be for little Mary Jane when she comes. Like, so that's like the conversation. That is the most incredible story. That it kind of reminds me of my munch, uh, Nyla, my daughter who's seven, who said, "But mommy, only black girls have magic. But what about the white girls? They're going to be so sad." And I was like, you know, how beautiful that our kids are so empathetic over others. And how great of a job I've done, because I'm the same as you. There are images of gorgeous Black women all over my house because it's something we never had. So I was thinking, in order to hurdle the obstacles we had, let's just get the love of self done with. Because it's not not if they're going to come for her. It's when they're going to come for our babies, right? It's so foreign. It's going to bounce. My my goal is that it's so foreign. There, that's so unheard of that it will not affect her. It'll be like, what? I'm like, her whole life, she's been told this, and this one person is trying to tell her this. Oh, yes. 
Clearly, that's not there. Because when it's the opposite, is really, can you imagine those that are brought up in homes where they don't hear that and they don't get that? And then the one time they hear it from someone else or for from someone that has ill intentions, it's then done. they're all like, oh, but that's not going to be it. Like, nobody is going to outshine the love and the you're cute to my baby than me. Like, there's nobody on the planet is going to be able to tell her she's more beautiful than I have told her. Like, that's like... That's like my goal, my job. Like you will never be able to outpraise my praise of my baby. <laughs> well, I mean, the world, it's pretty widely known and discussed that the world just continuously wants to tell us we are less than. And so that's the narrative out there, which to me sounds insane. Like, have you seen us? Like, yeah, exactly. Where? Where, where do you guys make this stuff up from? have seen us and that's why they're going 10 times overboard to try to change because they know that we we know who we are but they want us to be suppressed they want us to feel because once we all know that because the, there's a majority of us that don't really know that i feel like our, our generation our kids are going to be well my sons in like 15 and 17 the 21 year olds the eights the sevens and 15s they got it. I mean, even the white kids, they're like, oh, my black friend is dope. Like they all of them, they will let you know all of Dior's friends, they're all from different races and, and colors and creeds and from different countries. And they all love each other. They're very much aware of beauty and how beautiful she is, how beautiful they are. So it's, yeah. it's different. I feel like our parents' generation and the, those that elder, they're trying to hold on to what was when they were our age. Keisha. I adore you. This is just the beginning. Enjoy the rest of your podcast. Thank you. We will talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast and much more love to We have no peace. <laughs> Mama, stay in peace, please. Mama, stay. stay. That's it. <laughs> Perfect. Much love. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, babe. Thank you. I know. Wasn't she lovely? Oh, I just adore her so much. It is really hard to connect with a girlfriend all the way in London, England, as far as FaceTiming. But we did it. Yes. One thing that is very clear from this conversation is no matter how fancy your title, princess, queen, duchess, whatever, Your kids don't really care. They want you when they want you. You got 85 jobs and the job of Mama Stay is never ending. Thanks so much, Keisha. I can't wait so we can connect again and do a little play date with the girls. All right, you guys, that was episode 18. That was like a big milestone for me. Um, One of my mentors, Michelle Sorrow, She said, if you can get to episode 18, it is now implanted in your psyche that you must make a podcast every single week, which I love doing. You know this. So please check out all of our episodes. We have 18 in the tank. We have a variety of moms, everyone from Hollywood actresses to healers to dancers to boss moms. Our list is insane. And we're so proud of the moms and the ideologies and the vibes and the energy that we are able to bring to you here on Mama's Day with Tanika Ray. As always, I have got to give a shout out to my producing team over at Ginny Media. Thank you so much for rocking with us. Now, we're 18 in, so if you haven't caught up on any of the episodes, 
make sure you go do that. Go, go, go do that on basically everywhere pods play. Make sure you click like, you rate it, and you subscribe. We want to stay in touch. This is a collective of moms that is going global. We now have our first international guest. We're really proud of that. Stay tuned. We've got some awesome moms coming up. I love you madly, deeply. And mamas, you're doing a good job, girl. You're doing a good job. Till next time. Thanks for hanging out, Mama. I know how little time we have in our day to honor ourselves, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. Make sure you click like, rate, and subscribe. I'd love to hear what you think about today's show and what you want to hear going forward. Remember, mommying is a gift, and you're doing a kick-ass job. So, woosah, and mama stay. Mama stay.